Hello and welcome to Follies End podcast. I'm Jessie Marquis and we're going to be continuing our topic on marriage. Last time we were together, we talked about God's intention or purpose for marriage. We looked at Genesis 2 verse 18, where God said that he would make a help meet for Adam. And we looked at what that word was and what it means. And in Hebrew, it means help or helper, and it means strength. We looked at marriage being designed to help each other and not a place just to get our needs met. We also discussed the curse of the fallen woman and how we're not under that curse anymore. And today, I want to continue to look at the Word of God and see what God says about marriage. We're going to be looking at one of the most repeated parts of Scripture concerning marriage. And before you run out of the door, I'm pre-warning you, it's about submission. But bear with me, I've got some really cool things to share with you on submission. But before we dive in, I just want to make it really clear that this is not a jigsaw puzzle where you line up all the pieces perfectly in order to get a new outcome. What we're doing with these podcasts is we're giving you clear scriptural foundations to help you understand God's way. Understanding God's perspective on any and all areas of your life is what creates change. Not you trying to work out all the puzzle pieces to get it to work. And as I'm saying this, I can almost hear my sister giggling because this is something I have always struggled with. Change comes from God's word, not you being perfect in all areas. And this really has been a huge misunderstanding in my life. I have always wanted to be the good girl. I thought if I could just line up all the principles together, then somehow I could just get it right. But it's here in John 4, verse 24, that Jesus says that God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He doesn't say you should worship him in spirit or it's good to worship him in spirit. He says you must. So when you're listening to this, it's your spirit that needs the truth. So try to come to this spiritually and not just intellectually. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And this, honestly, this is why the Word of God is so awesome, because it produces change without you having to work really hard, because the Word is living. It's the living Word of God. Jesus uses this imagery of seeds when he's talking about the Word of God. Nobody can recreate a seed. They can make things look like fruits or vegetables, but it won't produce like a seed does. A seed produces after itself effortlessly. None of us have ever seen a tree struggling to produce a fruit. It just happens. That's how the Word of God works in us. When you spend time with God reading the Word, you start just to change effortlessly. Many of us are so dissatisfied with areas of our lives but we don't take time to find out what God's solution is. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
If we try to tackle any problem, either in our own ability or by drawing from the world's perspective, we might have success for a moment, but it's not lasting. God's perspective is so much bigger than our own. For instance, he tells us that if we want to have financial prosperity, we should give. I mean, how completely backwards is that? And likewise, with a blessed marriage, his ways are completely different to how the world sees things. Okay, so here we get to the big verse that everybody quotes. Ephesians 5 verse 22 is probably the most famous scripture concerning marriage. And many pastors simply don't teach from it because it can be easily misunderstood or abused. I'm going to read the whole entire thing and then we're going to just take each section by section. So just hang on here with me. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." So we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, that the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow, there is so much in this verse. But let's just take the first line. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, I've heard men say to their wives, you have to submit to me in a very oppressive manner. And that is not what this means. Submission is not forcing someone to do something. Submission is an attitude of the heart and not an action. You might be able to force someone into doing something, but you cannot make them be happy about it inside themselves. I can make my kids say sorry, but I cannot make them to mean it. Only they can do that. Submission is not an action, but it's a heart attitude. I have a very stubborn, very naughty little sausage dog. She is completely convinced that she is bigger than she actually is. If I tell her to sit, she might eventually sit, but I know she's standing up on the inside. And she gives me a side eye like, I'm standing up on the inside of myself. Submission isn't something men can or should demand of their wives. It is a gift that we possess and decide to bestow upon our husbands. 
If you look at the word submission in the dictionary, this is what it says. An action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. And this is where most churches stop. They demand women to submit, but bear with me, (laughs) this isn't the whole thing. Let's do our best not to be offended, but to keep looking at this. Because if this is God's word, and we know he's a loving father, there's got to be more to than just us wielding to a bigger authority. The original word in the Greek is a word I'm really going to struggle to pronounce, but I'll give it a go. It's eubeso, and a quick search of this word brings this up. This word is a Greek military term, meaning to arrange troop division in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. In my early career, I worked with a lot of ex-military men. They spoke of their leaders with a huge amount of honour. They would tell me, mostly after a beer or two, that their leaders would have laid down their lives to protect their men. They had complete trust in their leaders. And I believe that it's this attitude that God is talking about. Not being forced to submit to a higher power, but knowing the position that God has put you in and accepting it. I'd like to put a note in here that the only person I have to submit to this way is my own husband. Not every man in the church. That is misusing the scripture. And I think I have, and probably a lot of women have had experiences of men in the church telling women to submit to them. Because, just because they're men. And that's not right. I only have to submit to Gareth, my husband. And that is my choice. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'd be happy to submit to my husband if he wasn't so rude or so horrible or if he actually had anything sensible to say or if he wasn't like this or if he wasn't like that. We'll talk about his behaviour in a minute, so just hold that thought. And I'll circle back to it. I will quickly say that this verse tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loves the church. So you can absolutely say you're not submitting to your husband because he's not loving you like Christ loves the church. That's scriptural, that's sound, and you're completely right. And if that's something you want to do, no problem. And I will say also that if my husband asks me to do something that is not in line with God's word, I am absolutely not doing it. I submit first and foremost to God. So if he asks me to do something that's in direct conflict of what God wants me to do, like rob a bank, I'm not doing it. Or if he asks me to commit a sin, I'm not doing it. Submission is not blind obedience. And look, if you want to leave what I've just shared there about submission, you can. You can say, he's not loving me like Christ loved the church, therefore I'm not submitting. Fine, that's totally your choice. But I know that there's a blessing that comes when you do submit to your husband. And I know because it's alive in my life. The full line says this, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. If you're a Christian, hopefully you have got no problem submitting to the Lord. 
If Jesus asks me to do something, whether it's small or big, I will absolutely do it. And with a softer, probably more gentle attitude. If Jesus was in my house and was laid in bed all morning whilst I was looking after the children or cleaning up the house or making food, I would not be resentful. I would be delighted that he was asleep and resting and I could keep the house tidy or clean. Or if Jesus was late picking me up, I'd probably wait pretty patiently. God has asked us to submit ourselves as we do unto God. Now I know and you know your husband is not perfect. They might be rude or unkind or needy or aggressive or lazy, but this verse doesn't say submit to your husband as long as they are well behaved. It says that we submit to our husbands as we submit to God. I don't submit to my husband because he's good. I submit to my husband because God is good. And I know my husband has God on the inside of him. I was there when he gave his life to God. I know that he had and has real encounters with God. I can therefore trust the living God on the inside of my husband. A wonderful thing happens when you do this in your marriage. Whereas before you might have stood in oppositions of each other, suddenly, without you fighting them, there's a softening that happens in your marriage and God's power and grace is able to flow. Personally, as soon as I stopped fighting against my partner and started to submit myself to God and to my husband, things started to grow. This can be a really hard thing to do when you're a strong, independent woman, which I am, and I'm very opinionated. I I know it's going to be shocking for you. When I'm struggling to walk in this, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me. I also imagined that God was in my house and doing whatever it was that's annoying me. Marriage isn't easy and there is so many opportunities to argue. Submission doesn't mean not having an opinion. It means saying what you want, but allowing someone else to have the final decision. As a business owner myself, there are thousands of decisions I have to make every day. It's honestly, it's a blessing not having to make every decision in my own home. I can state what colour I'd like the bathroom to be painted, but if he doesn't want it, then fine. I trust him and he knows what I think. It's always amazing to me that honestly, most husbands, they really do want to please their wives. The trouble is most of us are in fight mode before the conversation has even started. Another big thing that has been a huge revelation to me is that my husband is responsible to God for his own behaviour. Even if we both die at the same time, I'm not going to be standing with him when he meets Jesus. It's his life, his actions, his thoughts, his attitude, and the way he runs his household is his responsibility. I'm responsible to my husband. I'm not responsible for my husband. I strongly believe that while you're trying to sort him out, you're actually getting in the way of God dealing with him. Romans 12, verse 19 to 21 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil 
but overcome evil with good. You won't overcome the evil in your life by retaliating. You overcome evil by doing good. And I know that sounds totally bonkers, but this is how God works. It's in complete contrast to how the world works. When you're hurting, you can want to hurt the person who hurt you. And you see this in kids when they're hurting. They just want to smack them back. But this verse says, if you want coal to rain down on their heads, you do this by being kind. And the scripture that I've just read, which is Romans 12, verse 19 to 21, is actually quoting another scripture, which is in Proverbs 25, verse 21 to 22. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And in Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. We can do this so easily in marriage. They say something hurtful or back-back responsibility and we hit right back. My mum used to call this a tennis match. And look, you can do that if you want to, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make you feel better and it won't bring change. I've used this quote before, but Albert Einstein says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. The Bible says that it's God's job to defend us and not our own. Whilst you're tearing your husband a new one or screaming at him to change, you're directly getting in the way of God dealing with him. Step aside and ask God to help. Trust me, God knows the best way to bring change in your marriage. Really scarily, husbands have more to answer for than we do as wives. Ephesians 5, 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands are the head of their own wives, like Jesus is the head of the church. So my husband has more responsibility than I do. He has responsibility for me and my family before God that I don't have. And for the first time when I realised this, I was really grateful I wasn't the man. What God is calling husbands to is massive and they will need God's help to cover their end of the verse that we're reading about. One thing God brought to me was a picture of a beautiful chair almost sitting over our marriage. And I was sat in the chair giving directions to my husband, but he couldn't do anything because I was sat in the chair. God said to me, Jesse, get out of his seat. How can he sit in it when you're sitting there? Honestly, I was shocked. I didn't even think I was sitting in his seat. But I started to look at all the times that I tell him to do something or I give him instruction. And I was completely taking over. I wasn't even allowing him to give things a go. And he's a wise and clever man. I chose really well. I make good decisions. I'm saying that with a bit of fun, but this is another massive lie that the enemy tells us. I've heard two women say in the last week, maybe I made a mistake when I married him. Maybe he's not the right person. 
One of the women who said this had been married for over 50 years. I'm telling you, this is a huge lie of the enemy. The moment you said, I do, he is absolutely the right person for you. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19 says, Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The enemy will try to get you to look back and question your decisions. Don't let him. Whatever is in the past is in the past. And God's doing a new thing. He's making a way for you, even in the wilderness. Last time, I ended our session with a challenge for you to speak out blessings over your marriage. And this time, I want to challenge you again. Remember that submission is an act of the heart. It's not an act in of itself. Remember my little sausage dog, sat on the outside but stood up on the inside. Ask God, am I able to have a heart of submission? And if I can't or I don't, can I submit to the God in my husband? And finally, ask the Holy Spirit to help you not to repay evil with evil, but rather to do good. You might have to write out an action plan. When he does this, I'm going to do that. If you have any questions or you want me to stand in prayer with you, then please email me at jessica at folliesandtrust.co.uk. Until we speak again, take care of yourself and each other.